You're listening to the OKC82 Podcast with Brady Trantham and Madison Morris. The best place for OKC Thunder basketball. A part of 1077 The Franchise Podcast Network. What's up, Thunder fans? Welcome to another episode of the OKC82 Podcast. This is your host, Brady Trantham. With me is Miss Madison Morris. Madison, what a fun game this was, and it really had nothing to do with the actual the actual the playing act, the of the act, game. The actual game. Um, <laughs> we will, of course, get into the third quarter brawl, but we'll do this in kind of um, chronological order. Uh, the Thunder um, defeat the Chicago Bulls. What was it? One twenty-one. Twenty-one to ninety-six. One twenty-one ninety-six. It was just a complete domination. It was. It, it's a game that probably. That's the way it should have gone a week ago in Chicago. The Thunder ended up losing on a Lori Markinen go-ahead uh, jumper with a few seconds left in the game. Uh, no amount of Lori Markinen jumpers could have helped the Bulls tonight. The Bulls just looked mm-hmm. completely outclassed and uh, out-athleted by the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, particu- particularly the ends of the uh, quarters in the first half. Um, Oklahoma City kind of starts off fairly sloppy. Uh, finishes the first quarter on a 21-7 run. Second quarter starts exactly the same. A lot of turnovers, some bad offensive possessions, missed shots. And then Paul George just did his thing. Um, went six for six, for six from the field, three for three from um, the three-point line. No turnovers. Hit everything. Just looked uh, every bit the MVP, Paul George, that a lot of fans and you know even some national people are starting to um, mention him in, in the MVP race. Looked every bit that part. And uh, the Thunder finished the second quarter on a 25-7 run, which pretty much put the Bulls to sleep for good. And then is the the third quarter is when all the the funny stuff happens. But Madison, it's just um, it's another example of how good this team is when they are locked in. But even if they're not locked in for a full full um, full 48 minutes, they can still beat you because they're so talented, they're so athletic, and their defense shows up every single night. Right, and I think this Bulls team, when Oklahoma City was in Chicago and they lost, what was it, like 114 to 112, um, that Bulls team coming in was like 5-20 and 20 at that point. They were just not a good team. I think the Thunder just really did not mentally show up that night, and that's just going to happen. But, I mean... They really didn't mentally show up in Brooklyn two, right. ni- two nights before. I think but, it was just but, a weird road but Paul trip. Jo- but Paul George showed up and saved their ass. So. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, at least someone showed up. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think this team really did show up tonight. And I don't know for sure if there was, like, an extra fire under their feet just to avenge that loss a week ago. But, you know, I think it really solidified that that was definitely a bad loss when they were in Chicago just because they were able to beat them by – almost 30 points tonight so you know I um, I will go ahead and put a disclaimer out there I missed majority of the game because it is a Monday game and I do <laughs> teach on Mondays so just I like, got here just like last Monday uh, just like last Monday folks I uh, got here at the very beginning of the fourth quarter because I had to teach some little little dancers but um yeah you know I I was really impressed just listening on the radio as I was coming in and just you know hearing the thunder really put this chicago team away and that's what they're supposed to do with this team and or with teams like this and you know it's just showing how hard they're working outside of games how they're coming to games more mentally prepared right now guys like paul george are really stepping up um, 
uh, yeah, you know, even when Russ is not doing what he usually does on offense, which has been going on for a couple weeks now, but you have guys like Paul George, it's just, it's not something to be worried about. And then Russ, of course, is contributing on other sides of the ball, which is just crucial for this team. Yeah, Russ had his 111th, 11th, I can't say anything because I have a hick accent, 111th triple-double of his career and just was so spectacular, especially in the fast break tonight, On either with, with the ball in his own hands or if he was trying to distribute. I mean, that cross-course bounce pass to um, Diallo for the and one layup was just incredible. It's a highlight reel. Uh, but tonight was about the first night in maybe two weeks, going back to that Detroit game, that Russell looked like himself offensively right. in terms of him getting to the rim. There were a few possessions in the uh, first quarter. Russell gets a steal midway through the first. It kind of kicks off that 21-7 run. Uh, he gets a steal, goes coast to coast, and finishes at the rim and looks every bit the player that we've come to see over the last few years. Um, does the same thing a few possessions later. And while his shot from the mid-range and deep, he didn't take a three-point shot tonight, but while his mid-range is still you know, struggling right now, it's good to see that he's at least getting to the rim still. He's been getting to the rim this whole time, but tonight it seemed like the shots fell a little bit with a little bit more consistency. And it's just, you know, it's just an example of what we've been talking about for the last few games is this isn't going to be the theme for Russell Westbrook the entire year. He's going to progressively get better and better and better. And that certainly happened tonight. But I thought one of the main things just from Russell Westbrook's standpoint was he didn't look frustrated tonight. Like he, mm-hmm. he missed some shots. He airballed his second shot and it was about an eight, nine foot, you know, mid-range shot. He airballed it, but he didn't get down on himself. He didn't. He didn't look frustrated, at least visibly, um, to my eyes. And that's that's only good moving forward because he, that shows that he understands it's not going to be like this forever. Right. And what I did get to see of Russ tonight, he does look a little bit more comfortable out there. Like Brady said, he's not getting super frustrated. I think he has a better composure right now. Um, I don't really know what that is credited to, but. Um, it's it's really no secret that Russ has been a little angsty the past couple of games, and he's just not had that Russell West or yeah Russell Westbrook charisma on the court like he usually does, and so it's just been a little frustrating, not as you know not really like frustrating, but it's just been kind of weird to watch a guy who is so used to leading this team, so used to kind of being uh, the guy that finishes with 25 plus points a game to only. Have I think he finished with like 13 tonight. He had a couple less a couple nights ago. You know, he just it's not really that kind of game for him right now. But I think that's going to change as the season progresses on. And I think Russ, you know, like we just said, he's you know doing a lot of other things that is really contributing. And Paul George even mentioned that in the in the post game presser tonight because he was asked, you know, do you notice anything different about Russ? Like. Uh, has his game changed? Is it something to do with how he's approaching the game? And Paul was like, you know, no. Like, Russ is going to contribute on any kind of or any side of the ball that he sees is substantial for that game. And uh, Russ is going to do what Russ does, and no one should really like bat an eye at it. Yeah, and you know, we've been saying this all season with concerning Russell Westbrook is he's attempting to play more within Billy Donovan's system that's been implemented. Finally, this season, with the consistency of the roster from year one to year two with Paul George, with the Paul George and Russell Westbrook show. So he's attempting to do things a tad just marginally different. And one of the main things is, of course, his shots are down. He's not taking as many mid range jumpers now. Lately, he has because I think he's just simply trying to put the ball in the hoop 
just to get you know on his own rhythm, get his own confidence back up. So it's kind of a little bit, I don't think, what you're going to see um, moving forward if his shot begins to start falling. But he's starting. He's trying to play a tad bit differently, and just like with Terrence Ferguson in, in the uh, in summer league when the Thunder wanted him to play differently, he wasn't just going to flip the switch and all of a sudden be a different or be the player that the Thunder wanted him to be. It's it was going to take him a few weeks, a few months, and it took him a few weeks and a few months. And now Terrence Ferguson looks like he's a, fairly close to the player that the Thunder want him to be. And it's going to be the same thing with Russ, even though he's an all-star MVP caliber player. It's still going to take those. He's a human being. It's going to take him a right. while. But again, like I think tonight was a step in the right direction for him, um, and bait and really for this team because, like you said, this is how they should play against a team like Chicago. You take care of business. You do it in style. Nobody gets hurt. And uh, that will kind of segue us into the next part, which is what everybody wants to talk about. And that was the third quarter skirmish yes. scuffle. I, I hesitate to call it a fight because there were no punches thrown. Although it looked for a for a scuffle that did, that wasn't a fight and probably won't result in any suspensions, it was about as violent of a scuffle as I have seen Uh Actually, Madison has it pulled up, so we'll just go ahead and do a live, even though we've seen this already a few times. Uh, we'll go ahead and just kind of react to it. So, Yeah, Jeremy, Terrence Ferguson has the ball. Chris Dunn shoves Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook gets called for a foul. And then now, yeah. Lopez, all hell yeah, breaks loose, all hell, people. All hell breaks loose with Lopez. Like, it really looked like Lopez. He is so angry. Yeah, it really looked like Lopez tried to either knee or kick subtly Jeremy Grant into the crowd on the uh, fan sitting court side and Jeremy Grant the last second caught him and just spun him around and threw Lopez down into the stands. He was like nah man. And Lopez just got up and looked like he had this the eye of the devil in him. He just looked so angry. He was so angry and he comes out of nowhere. This does not even involve him to begin with. I think he either really just wanted to defend his teammates and like yeah. look like a good teammate or he was actually like pissed that this yeah. all was happening and he just wanted to be in the middle of it. Yeah, Grant gave Chris Dunn a, a good little shoulder but nothing too over the top or nothing too aggressive. It was it, it more so looked like Grant was trying to separate the mm -hmm. two parties between Dunn and, and Westbrook and the rest of the team. And for whatever reason, Lopez was just pissed off about that and just mad. beeline straight to Grant and tried to force him into the stands. And luckily, Grant caught him, and it didn't really go any further from that other than Lopez just looking straight evil and pointing at, and just pointing at Grant. And at the end of the at the end of the of the sequence, four technicals were um, attributed because NBA officials no longer call a technical, or they don't call for a flagrant two. They just say screw it, let's just throw text at everybody <laughs> and basically warn everyone. And a few minutes later, Robin Lopez um, ended up being ejected for a second technical, which involved Jeremy Grant. I think he just rolled the ball towards Jeremy Grant's uh, chest, and the ref just didn't like the way he did it and just threw him out immediately. So it was much much ado about, um, about nothing, but at the same time, it, it was it was something. It, it, like I, I, gen I genuinely thought sitting up in the press box, and it's on the other side of the court from where I'm sitting, I genuinely thought that there was a fight going on and it was in, and it was either right up against the crowd or even in the crowd, just from my vantage point. And so it kind of got a little surreal and a little mm -hmm. 
tense and freaky, but luckily nobody was hurt. No, no fans were hurt. Punches weren't thrown. So, again, uh, talking to the Thunder, they, they think what if anything comes from this, it's just that, you know, some technicals might be rescinded. And I know there's video out there of uh, Chicago Bulls coach Jim Boylan uh, grabbing Jeremy Grant by the neck and trying to pull him away. And a few writers were talking about that and asked some players about it post game, and no one really wanted to say anything. But uh, Jeremy Grant even said, no, he's just trying to protect his team. And uh, Billy Donovan said as much as well. He's just trying to protect the team and keep everything from escalating. I think it was just kind of a unfortunate angle that he took, and it ended up just he's yeah, – it looks like he's choking him. But good. who knows what's going to come from it. But nothing to be worried about, I don't think. But, yeah, it, it made a 20-point blowout uh, – Interesting. Exciting. Okay, here's my two cents on that. I am a very big fan of sports scuffles, if you may. Um, I actually really enjoy them. I know that's probably awful to say, but it kind of gets me going, and I really enjoy watching them. So I was not here yet when that was going on. I had to listen to it, and I immediately texted Brady, and I said, shut up. There was a (laughs) fight, and I missed it. Um, So here's my thing. I don't want to call it like a petty little scuffle because I don't want to point fingers at either team. It was just, you know, things like that happen usually if there's a game on the line or uh, if some controversy had arose earlier in the game. And um, I I really don't understand what caused it. Uh, Like I said, I didn't see it in person, but watching these videos back, I mean, obviously uh, Russell kind of threw his hands up a little to get done. Was it Chris Dunn off of him? Yeah, like he did did pretty much – a little bit less aggressive, the same thing he did to Jamal Murray a few nights ago in Denver where he just kind of flails his arms up to try to get um, the pl- the opposing player from touching him because Russell hates when people touch well, him. Well, Russ has even said, like, he was in my way. Like, I don't want you in my way. Like, I, I don't want you to be touching me. Like, he's made that pretty clear. And so I think he was kind of just, like, doing what he does, you know, just throwing his hands up, get your hands off me kind of deal. And, uh, yeah, Chris Dunn really did not take that well, had a two-handed shove to the chest and then – like I said, all hell broke loose. Uh, Papa Steven stepped in to kind of like take the kids off of each other like he <laughs> usually does. Um, I, I so badly want to ask him sometime, you know, what makes you such a peacemaker? Um, but He's so strong and so, <laughs> so really not aggressive. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. If uh, he came up in my face and told me to knock it off. Yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'd be terrified. But, you know, I think it was just it did make it really exciting. I wish I would have seen it in person. Let's be honest. But um yeah, when you're down by that much, I understand being a little angry about something. Maybe you were just more angry about how badly you were losing, <laughs> and uh, you kind of just took that out when matters came to it. But at the same time, I don't really understand it because I don't think, like, I just I don't think it was necessary. I mean, it was necessary for my happiness, but why? Like, why, why did that have to happen? Oh, uh, I mean. Who knows what what is said like on the court prior to that? I'm sure there was some right. build up between Lopez and Grant, maybe some trash talk, maybe some hard fouls that weren't called. Who know Who knows what happened? But probably it, told him to get a haircut. It is what it and he is. just got pissed. <laughs> I actually got bur- I actually got burned like after the officials made the call. The PA announcer freaked me. The PA announcer for the Thunder freaked me out because he initially called double technicals uh, assessed to Westbrook and Grant. Oh, and the gosh. crowd goes insane, and yeah. I was like, "Really? Yeah. Tech, two techs on Thunder players, and and no Bulls players." What I mean, initially, Cameron Payne fouls Terrence Ferguson. Mm-hmm. This is what starts everything, um, and everything that happened was after the whistle. So Terrence Ferguson does shoot two free throws. 
But I guess on the broadcast, um, because the broadcast crew, the PA announcer, they're trying to overhear the officials and the and the scorekeepers. So it's just they're trying to go by what they're hearing. I so it they're pandemonium. Yeah. Down so they're there. not they're not getting the full story like 100% audibly. I guess you could say. So the broadcast crew probably heard it because on the broadcast it was oh four technicals. And for about two minutes, I thought Lopez and Chris Dunn were not going to be punished at all. And so I had to correct my tweet and. Uh, of course, a lot of my favorite followers <laughs> corrected me as well. So, yeah, like I, I was for about two minutes, I was like, I can't believe what I just saw. That was the most atrocious non-technical <laughs> call I've ever seen. But like I said, it is what it is. Nothing bad happened. And the thunder kind of went on and just the rest of the game was inconsequential. It was pretty much the same scoring margin from there. And the thunder dominated. And now they move on to Sacramento on Wednesday against the Amon Shumperts, a team that they have not beat yet. And oh, that's right. They're own too. Yeah, right? the Kings have, um, you know, that first quarter in Sacramento, the Kings straight dominated. But from there, the Thunder controlled the game. Uh -huh. But they had just put themselves in such a hole that they couldn't come back. So right. I'm really interested to see what happens Wednesday night because I think it's safe to say this team's going to be very locked in and focused. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think they want to lose to the Kings three times, especially this early in the season, um, with how tight the Western Conference is and is going to be throughout the year. But um, one more thing about this game and mainly about Paul George, he only scored one more point the rest of the game after having 23 points at halftime and scoring 14 in the second quarter. It was off of a technical free throw after the Robin Lopez ejection. Um, <laughs> Bill, I, I asked Billy about that, and he said that he was just really fast. He was just really impressed by, you know, Chicago decides to trap Paul George in the second half. And Paul, who's really grown and evolved as a distributor and as a playmaker for this team in his second year with the Thunder, he just kept distributing. He set up a, a bunch of hockey assists, which Billy Dovin mentioned in, in the uh, presser, and just looked every bit the best. Like, I'm not saying he's better than Russell Westbrook, but this year he's played better for, than Russell Westbrook. And there are reasons for that. But he has played better than Russell and been the Thunder's best player. And tonight was just another perfect example. He doesn't even have to score, and he still makes a huge impact. And that's so, so good for this team because it's no longer on the shoulders of Russell Westbrook mm -hmm. to do everything. And that's only going to be good um, once you get deeper into the regular season and in the postseason once attrition sets in, injuries, minor injuries, fatigue. Russell's not going to be burnt out as much as he probably was two years ago when he won the mm -hmm. MVP. Maybe last year once he, it became apparently clear that, okay, Melo's kind of washed. We need to do this kind of individually together. But now they're playing like as a really good dynamic duo. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm just excited to see how this team can grow because, yes, their schedule gets tougher. But I'm excited to see how this team responds to those challenges because I think that they're I think they're well equipped for it well I'm wondering if this first half of the season has really prepared them for what's to come because they have uh, been able to pick up some pretty good wins yes you look at it and say well these teams they've played have not been uh, teams that you know it's not that impressive like they were supposed to win these games but at the same time it helped this team really get into a rhythm it's helped uh, Russ and Paul really learn how to play off of each other and to play with each other and this team has just developed as a unit you guys or we uh, they have guys like Jeremy who have really stepped up Steven Adams has just been phenomenal on both sides of the ball uh, you know I think this is really going to help them going forward and Paul has uh, quote unquote found that rhythm he said tonight that you know, I know when I'm on, like, I know when I got this. And I think that's what uh, helps him have that second quarter. And 
you know, he, he just knows. He knows when he's accurate. He knows when he has a good shot. And I think he knows when it's time for him to step up and when it's time for Russ to step up, Steven to have some good points. Uh, we even got to see a Patrick Patterson dunk tonight. People. A rim-rocking Patrick Patterson dunk. It wasn't – It wasn't. It he, was phenomenal. He wasn't all, all, all alone off of a cherry-pick fast-break pass. He, he was – it was in – somewhat pseudo transition mm -hmm. he was running back Russell got to the rim penetrated and dumped it off to Patterson who was running straight to the rim and he dunked it on a few Bulls players I mean they didn't really attempt to block the shot at all but it, it was odd it was like oh Patrick Patterson like, up here oh trying. wait yeah. and it was his only shot of the night I think he was like one of four from the floor he was 0 of two from three you know when Patrick Patterson gets a dunk, it's a good night, people. Yeah. So let's just be honest. But, you know, I am eager to see how this team does as the schedule gets a little bit harder, especially, you know, I this is so weird to say, but I'm so eager to see how they do against this Kings team because, like we said, they are 0-2 with the Kings this season, and that's not really something that people have been able to say in the past. Yeah, athletic teams that like to get out on the, on the break and play with – a lot of pace. I think those are the teams that are going to give the Thunder the most trouble because the Thunder have really kind of prided themselves on forcing a lot of turnovers in the half court. So if you basically don't have a lot of half court possessions, and that's kind of the blueprint to beat the Thunder is don't give the Thunder any opportunities to force any turnovers. Mm -hmm. So basically just run and run and run. And that's exactly what the Kings did in that um, first game in Sacramento was, I mean, that first quarter was just insanely fast. It, yeah. was, it was almost as fast as that Denver game uh, on last Friday where it was just boom, 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 boom. And it really gets the Thunder out of their uh, comfort zone and they're not, they're not able to manufacture easy buckets. And for a team that can't, that, I mean, just really struggles mightily from shooting from deep, just shooting in general, if you take away their easy, you know, about their 18 to 22 points that they score off of turnovers in any given night, I mean, it's you're going to be hard-pressed if you're the Thunder to win. You're going to have to basically rely on Paul George going, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all-star mode, Russell Westbrook going MVP mode. So um, it's going to be interesting to see if they can either match the pace, stop the Kings from getting out to that pace, or, um, I mean – if Russell Westbrook just kind of makes his glorious return for the 2018-19 season mm -hmm. and just drops 40. I don't think he's had more than 20 points in the last uh, four or five games. He might mm -hmm. I think he might have had 19 or 20 in New Orleans. But, yeah, it's just, it's just not been – Yeah, it's just not been his year. Um, another little thunder note from tonight, Cameron Payne, former Thunder point guard Cameron ah, Payne. Ah, Cameron Payne. He shot five of seven. He's in the, the game last week, he, he shot fairly well from the floor. Um, shot five of seven, ended up with 11 points, but fouled out. And, oh, my God, what the Bulls. <laughs> so I'm talking to Brett Dawson from The Athletic um, in Billy's presser after the game. And, of course, Brett's sitting, you know, um, the scores table, you know, right behind, um, you know, where the coaches are, where the near the players. When Cameron got called for that sixth foul and fouled out, he looked immediately to the bench and said, I had five. He had no idea he had five fouls. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I, I didn't even know he had five fouls. So, uh, like, it was quite shocking when I heard somebody got a um, um, foul, that somebody just fouled out. I looked down, it's Cameron Payne. And I was like, oh. But apparently the Bulls were just as informed as I was because they didn't know they either. They had so, no idea. I mean, that's, that's going to happen when you're at the bottom of the league. So, um, Concerning the Thunder, Jeremy Grant, five of a nine, five of nine from the field, thirteen points, continues his steady, solid play. Stephen Adams, nineteen points and eight rebounds. Schroeder had uh, eighteen points on a fairly efficient night, sixty percent from the floor, um, only had three assists. Um, Diallo was just in just the human highlight reel that he is on the on the break. Even in the He's even exciting. In the, there was one particular possession that was incredible. I thought. Um, 
it was I, I believe it was Schroeder uh, was handling the ball. He dumped it off to Patterson, who was crossing um, the free throw line, and he had the ball. He found Diallo in the corner, and Diallo's man had kind of over pursued onto Patterson. And when Patterson threw Diallo the ball, Diallo had a full head of steam and a wide open uh, look down the baseline to the rim. He finished with a dunk, and that's that's what Diallo can bring you. That's the athleticism of this team, kind of personified into one uh, possession, but. It's just, you know, incredible how this team has taken the identity and run with it and all the things they've said in the offseason and during the season, they're actually putting into play mm-hmm. into the season. So, um, and kind of going into that, I just, because um, I know you were busy all day, but Billy Donovan did receive, or the, the Thunder picked up his fifth-year option, um, which didn't really surprise me. I know the Thunder really love Billy Donovan. They think he's a, he's a star in the league in terms of coaching. He's never really going to get that t- kind of, I guess, praise or from the national media or whatever from the NBA fan at large. Just because, you know, Russell Westbrook is the, the player and the personality that he is, he's going to garner either all the, the glory or all the blame, and he's seen as a player that doesn't play within a system. Even though you and I, watching him this year, we know he's trying to play mm-hmm. within a system. And the Thunder this year, you know, before tonight they're 18-10. and 10. They're the best defensive team in the league. They have a net rating overall at about 5.5. Um, just they, they finally look like a team that Billy Donovan can implement a system for, that can, that he can coach, and they're putting it all together on the floor. So I think the Thunder just wanted to go ahead and really, you know, keep it, keep the, the foundation of the team firm and stable by saying, yeah, we're going to reward you by <laughs> not keeping you in the dark going into next, um, to next season. Because if you remember Scott Brooks, he was left in the dark. His mm-hmm. fifth year didn't get picked up, and then he was eventually fired after that injury plague year in 2014-15. So that's definitely not going to happen. And Royce Young even said um, earlier today, if the Thunder you know, makes some noise in the postseason, if they go to second round, maybe even to the Western Conference Finals, I wouldn't be surprised. Royce wouldn't be surprised if the Thunder just went ahead and extended his contract. But just your thoughts on kind of Billy's, uh, just his coaching, what it, what is he like when we talk to him, and just – is there what's the main difference between his coaching last year and his coaching this year? Well, I think these guys have really started to trust Billy a lot more. I think they feel comfortable uh, running his system. Paul George even said tonight that this is the first time in his professional career that he's had a coach who was really open to letting Paul play the way that Paul wants to play and the way that Paul feels that he needs to play. Um, he said he didn't really get that in Indiana, so he's really happy to be here with Billy. Um, Russ, of course, had praises for Billy when asked about him. You know, Billy just seems like we're not around Billy like these guys are, obviously, but Billy just seems like a really good coach. He seems like he really understands these guys. He really invests in them. He wants to accommodate their playing style, but also do what's best for this team as a whole and for the organization. And I think these guys respect him. I think they trust him. They understand him. And now that he is picking up this fifth year, uh, you know, they're not going to have to adjust to someone new. Like guys who are new to the team this year, like Hami and Dennis, they're not going to have to have one year under Billy and then try to conform to something new coming in next year. You know, it's it's a good thing for the Thunder to have Billy. And just from a media standpoint, you know, talking to Billy is always so uh, nice, for lack of a better word. I, you he, know, he's... He doesn't get offended if, like, a particular... Um, somebody ask a question and let's just say they just honestly don't know mm-hmm. about what they're asking so that's why they're asking the question so he's not one of those guys that's offended that you don't know the game 100 percent right. in and out like he, he'll take the time to explain very very detailed in depth. <laughs> in depth and with 
billions of words and millions of run-on sentences. But yes, I mean, Billy is, <laughs> he is for never really giving you anything. Ooh, that's a big scoop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's really good at keeping everything close to the vest. At the same time, he's like wonderful to us and he's um, a joy to cover because he does give you a lot of in mm-hmm. in-depth, but not so much that the scouting report on the team is then revealed. Right. So. Yeah, you know, Billy, I'm just, I'm excited for him. I think this is going to be great for the team. I know the guys are pretty excited. I mean, I can't really speak for all of them, but, you know, the ones that we did talk to tonight, they had nothing but joy and praises for Billy Donovan. Yeah, so. Russ and Paul were happy about it, and Billy pregame didn't really say much about it. You know, he was just happy and thankful to be the coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder, of course. He did all the coach speak, talked a lot about the differences between coaching and mm-hmm. college and in the pro game, but... Yeah. Well, you know, I wonder if that is going to affect how the remainder of the season goes, just knowing, you know, it's kind of like the Paul George thing. When he didn't have free agency over his head, he kind of felt more comfortable yeah. uh, with the Thunder and just, like, was able to really focus in on that and key in on the things he needed to do for this team this season. And I wonder if that's going to be the same for Billy. He knows he has a year next year. He knows he's not going anywhere. So I think he's really going to, you know, do everything he can to make sure this team sees a postseason appearance. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get to the fun segment where we read comments and questions. Um, Zoe at Filson, uh, the uh, it's an L. He told he let he let us oh. know. Um, <clears throat> thank you so much for the question or the com- I think it's a comment, but he says that he'd love to hear. He'd love that if we added a part in the pod where we talk about favorite play or a possession, um, possession of the game, or break it down, saying why. Um, we actually kind of do that. Um, I don't know if you're in the market. Uh, actually, let me just go ahead and look. No, he lives in Pensacola, Florida. Okay, well, that makes All sense. Right on. We actually kind of do that with our post-game show on 107.7 The Franchise. Um, Jerry Ramsey, our boss, who usually runs the post-game shows, he, um, he has a best dunk segment of the game. And then he has a segment that he dubbed Brady Trantham's kick-ass possession of the game. So we do do that. So I guess now we can kind of add it to the Mm -hmm. podcast. I've just never thought about it. Um, This, I mean, this podcast, the whole idea of it is just kind of raw reaction and raw reaction, not only to the game, but to what the players and the coaches say afterwards. And you tear us ramble. So, so yeah, so it's, it's not really structured. So, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with structure. I love structure. I love structure. That's actually not a bad idea. We'll try that on the, uh, we'll try that on the next pod. We'll switch it around in our mouths and see if it tastes good. And if it tastes good, then we'll keep doing it. So uh, we run the post game show on uh, Wednesday, right? Yeah, we will actually, actually be running the post game show Wednesday night on 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa. And if you're not in the market, um, please go ahead and download um, the Franchise app. Just type in Franchise OK on whatever you're on your app store thing and download it. Um, I guess when Madison and I do post-game shows, we're going to rip the audio from the post-game show because the post-game shows last about an hour. Mm-hmm. We'll rip that audio and kind of use it, double it as the OKC82 podcast. That way we don't talk for an hour on the radio and then turn right around and podcast about the same, same, exact thing, same thing for yeah. about 40 minutes. So <clears throat> so we will be doing, you know, stuff like that after the Kings game. So Rester will be doing that on a regular podcast. We'll go ahead and throw it in there and see if we like it. I'm sure we will. But, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, it's a good suggestion. Um, <clears throat> Thunder underscore pride at Thunderstorm 280 asks, if Lopez and Adams are in the octagon, who wins and how many rounds? I'm going to go with uh, Lopez on this one just because he seems very angry and Steven is more of a peacemaker. I really don't think Steven's going to, like, get real 
crazy out there um <laughs> unless there's just a side of him that the media have not seen um but yeah as in terms of like strength i would probably take steven adams just because i think he would be a little bit more poised and he would know where to throw a good punch but uh i don't know guys robin lopez i saw a whole new type of anger and yes i did watch via twitter rather than in person but you could see those eyes yeah. darting and it, i think if looks could kill R.I.P. <laughs> again, it, it did look it did look kind of like, like I said like I was kind of oh oh god what's going oh gosh <laughs> like please don't pop off please don't pop off like you're right up you're right in a fan's lap like don't turn this into the that Pacers Pistons brawl that would have been terrible and thank God that didn't happen and I don't think anyone like I said I don't think I mean Lopez was ejected in this game for getting a second tackle I think the league is probably going to say he got his punishment let's all move on with our lives. Um, no punches were thrown. So, I mean, but in terms of a hypothetical Steven Adams, Robin Lopez uh, match in the octagon, um, I mean, yeah, Lopez certainly looked more aggressive. Adams probably is the strongest player in He's the probably NBA. Stronger. Um, so it would be, it would be quite the, it would be, I'd, I'd pay for that. I was about to say, I would pay money to see that. <laughs> I think it would be quite interesting. And they both need to wear their hair down. I would love to see just like hair flying everywhere. <laughs> Thank you for that question. The last question comes from our good friend Cody McChicken. <laughs> and he asks A loyal podcast questioner. I if, love it. If Austin Rivers comes to the Thunder, who was just waived by the Phoenix Suns, he was a part of that crazy wacko trade that didn't happen, but then ten hours later it happened. <laughs> he was traded from the Wizards to the Suns and the Suns immediately waived him. Um, if Austin Rivers comes to the Thunder, would he ruin our only good chance at winning anything? The answer, the correct answer is no. I get where you, this kind of sarcastic question is coming from. <laughs> because, I mean, I think everybody has a similar opinion on Austin Rivers as a basketball player. Um, but no, because Billy Dolvin wouldn't be forced to play him. Mm-hmm. Um, if I mean, hypothetically, if Austin Rivers comes and he plays well, then, yeah, I mean, he would only help because Billy's only going to play him if he helps. If he doesn't help, he'll be riding the pine. Right. But... In terms of, like, because I know we're getting closer to February and there's going to be all these questions about, like, are the Thunder going to make a, a big splash at the trade deadline? They have that 15th spot open. What are they going to do with that? Are they going to turn it into Deontay Burton? Or are they going to try and go after a, um, a buyout guy? I think if, if I had to put money on it, I think their biggest goal, other than, like, some stupid trade, like, because I'm not, I'm not going to say, like, yeah, if – if somebody wants to give the Thunder two players for Patrick Patterson and both those players are like pseudo all-stars, then yes, that's the best That's the best ideal situation. But realistically, I think the best situation is um, the Thunder, ha- there's a, bu- a guy on the buyout market that the Thunder like and the Thunder see he can make an immediate impact and help put this team over the hump. That's where they'll probably use that 15th spot. Otherwise, it'll probably go to Burton, or mm-hmm. they'll just keep it open so that the Thunder don't have to. Because if the Thunder signed Deontay Burton to a an actual NBA contract, they'll get more tax penalty. So I, I'm curious to see if they want to just kind of ride this out with Deontay because he's been with the Blue for the last week or so. Mm-hmm. He's getting around that 20-day mark left with the Thunder until he becomes a full-on Blue player. So they certainly like him. They certainly are excited about his development. But I think, I mean, Sam Presti loves to be versatile and to keep his options open. So um, I, I don't know if a name like Austin Rivers is going to be, you know, joining Thunder anytime soon. But I think, like I said, put money on it. Just look for somebody on the buyout market. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't have much to add to that. I think 
Sam Presti is going to do what's best for the organization. I think right now they have a good system going. Um, I'm just as curious as everybody else. I don't really have any kind of insight with this, so uh, I guess we'll just see what happens. And with that, we will wrap up this podcast on this boring but fun in the third quarter game uh, against Bring the Chicago Bulls. Bring on the Night, Adam. Good. See you, Adam. Um, Yes, the Thunder defeat the Chicago Bulls once again, 121 to 96. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the OKC82 podcast. Uh, Once again, review, comment, five-star reviews, all that good stuff. And we will give you a high five via the internet. So, uh, Yeah, we uh, will. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. (laughs) Yeah, um, once again, um, the podcast on Wednesday will just be us on the radio. Um, so you can either listen to it live on 107.7 The Franchise immediately following the game. I believe it's a 9 o'clock tip-off Oklahoma time, 10 o'clock West Coast. Um, or I guess that's – no, no, no. 7 no. o'clock West no, Coast? No, that's, that's 10 o'clock East Coast. Yeah, so 7 o'clock West Coast. I, I don't – Where, Wherever so, it goes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, listen to 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa. If you're not in the market, download the app. We always have good Thunder it's coverage all day. It's all, it's for free, and you can listen to it whenever you feel like it, and that's where you can also find it.